Welcome to the City Baptist Church Podcast, where we are passionate about sharing Jesus with Vancouver and beyond. We would love for you to be a part of one of our weekend services. And of course, you can find details on location and service times on our website at citybaptist.church. Today's podcast is from our current teaching series, This Is Us, where we are discovering our core identity and God's intention for every person in the local church. Today is Remembrance Day, and uh, specifically today is a solemn day in our country as we remember and as we celebrate the 100-year anniversary of the armistice, the treaty that ended World War uh, I. As Canadians, of course, we know that uh, our troops played an important role uh, in that, and, uh, and today's a day set aside, today especially being the 100th uh, anniversary, where we really want to take just a moment and uh, have a moment of silence like today all across um, all across our city, people are going to be doing. And so I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now. And uh, we're going to take a moment uh, and, and have the traditional two minutes of silence. The reason that there's two minutes of silence beginning at 1058 is because it was at 1058 that the final Canadian soldier was killed um, as the treaty and the ceasefire ended at 11. Uh, he had stepped out from behind his cover and uh, after some machine gun fire was going right up until 11 a.m., and he had stepped out from behind and was hit in the chest by a German sniper. And uh, they did their best to uh, keep him alive, but he passed away. And so it's from 10.58 to 11 a.m. that we take a moment to remember those today. And so it's 10.58 right now. And so I'd ask you, if you don't mind, just take a moment. Uh, maybe you need to spend some time and you just pray for our country. But we're going to take two minutes of silence and remembrance of those uh, who gave their lives for us. Thank you for that. You can be seated. Thank you. And let's go ahead and have uh, just another quick word of prayer this morning. Lord, we thank you for our country. And Lord, we do thank you for those who gave their lives for us. Lord, we do not even, we do not know, nor can we begin to even understand the level of sacrifice that was made for our freedom uh, as both a country and as an individuals. Lord, we know much of, of uh, many wars throughout the ages, Lord, uh, did uh, a lot to protect the freedom of religion and those that would try to uh, limit that. And we do thank you for those Canadian men and women who willingly volunteered and went and sacrificed their lives for us. And today, um, Lord, we pray for our country. Um, we know that since that time, 100 years, a lot has changed. Um, but Lord, we know that uh, our country, as it did then and as it does now, needs you more than ever. And I ask that, Lord, you'd help us as a church just to be a small part of uh, seeing change take place in our community, in our neighborhood, and in our country um, for you. We love you, Lord. You know, we pray. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, as Canadians, of course, our troops played an important role in many battles that took place during that time. Even though our losses as a country was, uh, was 60,000 soldiers that we lost in World War I, although it seems like a small amount compared to the almost 40 million people that were killed during World War I, still to this day the, uh, the most casualties of any war, those 60,000 people who gave their lives for our country, to us, though it seems small at the time, Canada was only about 7 million, I believe. We were still early on in the country's history, and that really devastated a generation. It, it made a huge difference and impact, uh, defined a lot of things, both, both culturally and as well politically, uh, in our country, and it devastated a generation. Today, we look back, we remember those who gave their lives for our country, and we remember not only their willingness to go, but the one thing I want to notice about uh, our country is how we came together. 
I found it so interesting when the time came for war, and of course there was certainly some, uh, uh, the UK definitely had a part of us going to war, um, but when they put out there that, uh, that Canada was going to be entering the war, they put a request out for 25,000 volunteers, and amazingly 33,000 people showed up and volunteered to go. To me, that tells a lot about our heart as a country and how they're willing to, uh, over and above even what the limit was or what they had asked for, willingly showed up to go. When Thomas White, the finance minister, the country was in financially in a difficult time, uh, things were not going that well, and they realized that they needed to turn to the people of Canada for help. And so he reached out to the Canadian, uh, Canadian people with a goal of raising $50 million for the country and for the war effort. And the Canadian people gave $100 million, double what had been asked. And to me, that just shows the heart of our country and our, our people and how much we care about our, 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 our country. There's numerous examples of this, of how the country came together to support the war effort. And today, we remember those who gave their lives for our country. Now, many of you know, I spent many years uh, in the United States living there and, and, and different places. And of course, interestingly enough, the youth conference that I was speaking at and we took some teenagers to, um, for most of my high school years and in my young adult years even, I was going down to that conference. And it was always around this time of year. And uh, I always thought it was, um, uh, t- to me, I always loved the fact that even though we're in Portland, Oregon and in a conference with a lot of Americans, you could always see the Canadians in the crowd because they were wearing a poppy. And uh, I always love that fact about going down there and, and all these Americans saying, what is that? What, you know, like, what is that flower for, you know, and, and all of those kind of things and wondering what it is. It always gave me great pride to explain why we wear it, why Canadians, why there's, they're dotted throughout the crowd. Um, people who are there remembering those that, uh, that gave their lives and we honor their memory. To be honest, in a, in a country today, uh, in our country today and in, in many countries, there's often more conflict than unity But it's refreshing to live in a place that even if it's just for a a day or a a couple of weeks, it's refreshing to be in a place where together as a country we unify and come together to remember those who surrendered so much for us. Now to me as your pastor, there's really no greater day than today, I think, to speak to you about the subject matter that we're going to cover this morning. I'd like to take a few moments today as we're in our series called This Is Us, a study of who we are as a church and who God has called us to be and and really setting some tone for the future for us. Today I want to talk to you briefly about the subject of unity is what I want to talk about. And I believe today is a time where our country comes together. And so today as a church I would like to speak to you about this important subject of unity and how the local church can be a place where personal unity and a corporate united purpose is something that we need to determine to get after and something we need to determine to have in us at all costs. The simple truth this morning is that God desires for Christians to get along. Did you know that? Now, maybe your church experience told you a whole different story. I don't know. But God's desire for the church and for Christians is that we would get along. In John chapter 13 and verse number 35, I want you to see this. It says, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. So Jesus says by this thing, well, what thing is it? Look, look what he says. If you have love one to another. He said by this mark in the Christian life, this is how people are gonna know that you are a follower, that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, that you have love for other Christians. Notice what he's saying here. One of the most obvious ways to me that we can reveal to the world that we are born again by the Spirit of God is in the way that we act towards each other. See, when you become a Christian, God expects you to become a part of the church, and if you're a part of the church, God expects you to get along with each other. 
This is what it is. It's a very clear, open, specific thing uh, that God gives to us. And he wants us to not only be a part, but he wants each of us individually to be a unifying presence within the church. Now, maybe in your family, uh, uh, my family was maybe a little bit different in this sense, but in most families, it's kind of interesting. There's always one person in the family who's the unifier. Have you noticed that? You know, maybe when you're a kid and there was a fight that would break out, who's the unifier? You know, mom, right? Uh, there's something going on with dad or, you know, maybe it was your dad who was the unifier. Maybe it was a sibling. Sometimes it was, uh, you know, the older brother or the younger, uh, the younger daughter who's so cute, you know, she lets all this get along, you know, and would unify and whatever it may be. There's always kind of that unifying presence. But in the church, everyone is to be that unifier. Every single person who's involved in the local church should be a unifying presence. Now, the, one of the things that I've learned, and most of you know I, play, got to, I was blessed to play sports uh, growing up in high school and in, in university and, and, and on many different uh, teams that I played on, but one of the things that I noticed that was so key as I played in different, even in two different universities, played basketball, the thing that I noticed is that talent can sometimes be overrated if unity is not involved in the team. And uh, in particularly, the first two years of, of college, I played at a school. It was a big school, and, and we had a great program, and we had tons of talent. We had much larger, I guess, pull, if you want to, to, for kids to come and guys to come and play there. And we had some amazing, talented guys. I mean, I'm six foot, almost six foot five. My wife always reminds me that I'm not exactly. I'm like right there with my hair combed. I'm six foot five. And, um, uh, but I'm six foot five, but I played a small forward position and power forward. You know, all through high school, I played center, which if you know anything about basketball, great. If you don't, just pretend like you know. And, uh, and, and so I, I would play the big guy position. And when I was in college, when I got there, I played like a small guy. I loved it. It was great. And it's because we had a 6'10 center and we had a 6'8 power forward. And we had a lot of guys who were way bigger than me who got to get in there and bang in the post. And I got to kind of float around. It was awesome. And I could just drive hard to the hoop. It was a good, it was a good time. Um, and we had a lot of talent, a lot of height and all of this kind of stuff. But we always struggled. And we always struggled, and I believe it was because there wasn't unity. To the school, when we ran out on the floor and all the thousands of people are standing up and cheering, you know, they were like, wow, this team is together. But they weren't there at practice when we were fighting each other, <laughs> you know. And, and there was some um, uh, guys hated each other. There were some real issues there. And then when I transferred out to the school in California, uh, it was a much smaller university, and we maybe didn't have the talent pool, but we had so much unity, Man, we loved, like we genuinely loved each other. We got along together, and as a result, we had better success in winning. We won a couple of regional and, and district championships, and we had much more success, and I believe it was because not so much that there was so much more talent. Definitely, there was less talent, but because there was unity. And unity is so key. It transcends talent. It transcends all sorts of things, and it really makes a difference, especially in the local church, and it's critical to the success of any group. Maybe at your job or your work site, uh, you know what it's like to have disunity in the, in the job. You know what it's like to have uh, maybe one or two or more people unhappy and just not really on board with what's going on, and you see the damage and you see the hurt that it brings to your place. You know how it makes your workplace not a fun place to go to right? And you're just like, oh man, I don't want to go today because I know so-and-so is going to be ticked about this. It happened yesterday and da 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 right? Okay, that should not be the case in the local church. The local church is a place where we are to be a unifying presence. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 15, Paul, of course, now Paul wrote extensively about unity in his letters, of course, but in verse number 15, he said, uh, Ephesians 1, he said, wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. 
what he's saying here is that he was very excited and he was very thankful for the unity that everybody had. He says, I was thankful for the fact that uh, they loved one another and that there was a connection there. And he gave thanks for the fact that they were a church that worked together. And in scripture, of course, we know here, he says, unto all the saints, those are Christians. And Paul is showing us that he is just thankful by extension. And by extension, I'll say this, God was thankful that that church was uh, unified, that that church was working together. So why would Paul bring that up? Why would Paul bring up the idea of unity? Why would he bring up the idea that he was thankful for their unity? And I believe it's because the demonstration that we have as Christians, the demonstration of our love that we have one toward another in a unifying presence is critically important. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 1 through 3, he emphasized it again. He said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Then he said in verse 3, endeavoring, so here's the, here's the idea here, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. At all costs, we are to work together to be in unity, and it is a responsibility that all of us need to come to terms with. It's not about the pastor to make sure that everything is working all right, Okay? Uh, sometimes, see the, sometimes people see the pastor as like the, uh, the fireman, you know, and I'm just rolling around to like putting out fires, right? And I'm making sure that everything's okay, you know, and oh, if there's a problem, like I'm not going to deal with it, you know, let pastor deal with it. That's what he does. His job is to remain in sorrow all the time. So just let him go, you know, let him, let him deal with the difficulties uh, that everybody's struggling with. No, 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 no. We are to all be part of that. We are all a part of the local church. We are to be working in unity. We are to love our fellow church members unconditionally, whether or not you agree with them. Whether or not you agree with them, we are to demonstrate love towards another because what you uh, show in your love for each other shows to others that you are willing to sacrifice even your own preferences and your own ideas for the greater unity of the church. I heard a quote this week, and the quote was this, you can sacrifice without love, but you cannot love without sacrifice. How many times has someone done something for you that was maybe considered a sacrifice, they gave up something or did something, but it wasn't out of a heart of love, was it? But here's the thing, you cannot truly love somebody without being willing to sacrifice. And I think as Christians, one of the things that we need to sacrifice often is our own opinions. Okay, now that may sound weird, okay? But we are people of opinions, aren't we, right? Man, we have an opinion about everything. And guess what? That's okay. You have a mind, you see things, you look at life through your lens. But when it comes to unity, oftentimes it's not very helpful if we all decide to just give our opinions <laughs> all at once. You ever been in a place or in a meeting where everyone had an opinion and was unwilling to change no matter what? Right? You ever been in a place like that? Oh, that's a fun family meeting, right? <laughs> that's, that, that's an awkward uh, Thanksgiving meal, right? That's, I mean, that's a, that's a hard place to be in. Now, while I'm not saying, you, you know, that we are to all just, everyone just be in, you know, silence, that's not what I'm saying. But sometimes it's better to be willing to sacrifice, maybe. Sacrifice uh, 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 something in order for the greater unity of the church family. That's why he says in Colossians 3.14, and above all, these things put on charity, that's love, which is the bond of perfectness. Notice how he said above all, meaning most importantly, we're to have love. He says it's the bond of perfectness, which means a complete, it means whole, it means unity. He says above all, we are to put on love that brings us to a place of unity, a place of togetherness. 
It really doesn't get much more important than a church family coming together in love for one another that leads to a heart and a mind of united focus and purpose. So the question is today, how can we do this? I'm kind of setting a tone here in case you're figuring it out. Setting a tone for what's going on, what we're going to talk about, how we can make this happen, what things we're to focus on, how are we to hold up against the onslaught of our enemies? Because I've said it, if I've said it one time, I've said it a hundred times since we started the church. Uh, Listen, Satan is not happy about what's going on here and he is determined to break us up. Okay. He's determined to break us up. Uh, maybe, you, <laughs> maybe you've known somebody whose parents were not all that happy about them dating and they determined in their heart to break them up. <laughs> Man, that's a, that's, a, that's a tough thing to be in. Maybe you've been in that situation yourself. That's a hard place to be. That's a, that's a really gut-wrenching situation. But that's really what happens in the local churches. Our enemy is determined to break us up. He's determined to cause fractions, to, to cause issues. To, 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 to get in and, and to kind of mess things up. Do you know why? Because then we're less effective for the Lord Jesus Christ. So how do we do this? How do we get to this place of unity? What do we need to be? I believe the answer is found in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Let's turn there together. If you've got your Bibles with me, turn to Philippians chapter 1, verse number 27. And I've got it here. And uh, I, I think I've got it up here. I do. Did I skip ahead? I might have I missed it. Here we go. Nope. All right. I don't even have it. So go there. Go to Philippians chapter 1 verse 27. You'll see it later on. Philippians 1 27. Familiar verse. He says, only let your conversation. Now your conversation here is your lifestyle. So the way that you live your life, only let your lifestyle be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That's a whole message right there. Living your life as a reflection of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I fail at that all the time. He says, let your life, let your conversation, your lifestyle be that whether I come and see you or else I be absent, I may hear of your affairs. Now that right there is really interesting. Oftentimes we'll allow our life to be a reflection of the gospel if we know someone's going to see it, right? And Paul says, hey, whether I hear about it or I see it or whatever, that's how you're to live your life. But then he says this, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. I believe it's in your note sheet there. He says that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So if we're talking about unity as a church family, here's what I want us to notice. Point number one this morning, we need to have unity in our spirit. We need to have unity in our spirit. Notice how he says that ye stand fast in one spirit. Now, of course, we know that the Holy Spirit can be connected into this passage. We understand that aspect. But I don't want to lose sight of the, uh, the applicable, uh, the applicable uh, understanding here when it comes to spirit in the light of our attitude or of our heart, okay? Our attitude or our heart. Uh, now, this is kind of preacher talk, but uh, sometimes I go to like a preacher's meeting and some guy will get up and be like, man, there's a great spirit in this place you know, (laughs) and we know he's not talking about the Holy Spirit, like we know the Holy Spirit's here, he's talking about the attitude, he's talking about the, maybe the level of excitement or, or energy, whatever you want to call it, he says there's a great spirit in the room, and we all go, he's right, (laughs) you know, that's great, that's a great illustration, and so the point is, is that for any church, uh, for our church to move in the direction that God has set before us, we've got to embrace a spirit of oneness, We've got to embrace a spirit where our hearts are united and our hearts are knit together. The idea here of spirit, uh, by definition, means our mental disposition. Your mental disposition. Anybody ever say to you, you've got a strange mental disposition? No? Okay, uh, that's all right. I've had that, unfortunately. (laughs) But they said it meaner than that. But uh, 
I took it as, oh, my, okay, I need to work on my spirit. Uh, but uh, you know what I'm saying when I talk about our mental, like the way that we approach the church, the way that we approach um, being together as a church. Now, I got to tell you, and I think you understand this, this kind of a spirit, this unity of spirit does not come naturally to us, does it? It does not come naturally to us. We are way too individualistic, aren't we? I mean, we are way too, as we talked about earlier, uh, set in our own rightness of how we see the world right? Oh, the way that I view the world is the correct way to view the world, right? And man, we are locked into that idea. And and the thing is, is that if we are not careful, our own views, our own rightness can lead us to places like pride. It can lead us to gossip. It can lead us to putting down of others who we do not see eye to eye with. Now, you don't have to see eye to eye with everybody. You realize that, right? Thankfully, it'd be a terrible world if we all thought and saw the same things. We don't have to see eye to eye with everybody, But if our opinion becomes more important than the unity of the spirit, then it goes against a unified mental disposition as a church. To be honest, there's really no place in a local church for overbearing opinions. There really is no place for that. There's no place within the church of putting down others who do not agree with you. And and I'll say this, you say, well, in a church, you don't really notice that. And I get it. But there's often, there's a subtle demeaning of others' opinions. There's maybe a subtle backhanded way where we kind of put eh, you know we cast shade on someone right even if it's just a little shade you know from a bonsai tree we throw shade a little bit or whether it's a mighty oak tree but there's no place for that in the church it's so prevalent in our society the church should be a place where we can avoid all of those things it should be a place where we're able to limit ourselves from those See, if you live your life feeling like you are the only one with the right opinions or you're the only one with the correct outlook on life, it's a very dangerous place to be. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, us, uh, 10, 12 tells us, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Man, the Lord has used that verse in my life a lot. <laughs> Do you know when he uses it? After I've fallen, <laughs> you know, because I thought I was the man or whatever. I've had a moments of pride and God uh, so cleverly and so uniquely reminded me of who I was, you know, reminded me of who I truly was before him. And he humbles us and brings us to that place. Listen, we've got to draw together through our common love for Christ in our worship and in our prayer, be willing to listen, to get to know each other in a way to preserve a mindset of unity. Remember in Ephesians 4 that we mentioned earlier, Paul said that the church, we are to endeavor. That means we are to try hard. We're to actually put some effort to keep the unity of the spirit, but it takes effort on our part. So I got to ask the question, are you putting effort into unity? We'll put effort into so many things in our lives, right? But sometimes unity, we don't want to put any effort into. Like, you know, I I need to talk to that person. I need to work something. We'll just let it go, right? We don't want to put any effort into it because of our own feelings, our own uncomfortableness or, or whatever it may be. And I understand there's, there's difficulties. We allow our past hurts, uh, the distrust that we have oftentimes. Unforgiveness is a big part of this. Things that we have not forgiven others for or we are unwilling to forgive others for that limit us from putting in the effort to have unity in the spirit or unity in our spirit. And so if we're going to be a unified church, we got to have unity in our spirit. But secondly, this morning, I want you to see from our passage, we need to have unity in our mind. Unity in our mind. I'm going to go back to Philippians chapter one and verse number 27. There we go. There we got it. Where he says uh, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind. Now, when I was a kid growing up, our family, we didn't watch a lot of TV, but the one thing we did watch was Star Trek. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Saturday night. 
next generation. I mean, we were all in. <laughs> and uh, and we, would, uh, we would get ready for bed and all of this kind of stuff. Back then, they would, it was on Saturday nights, which is really, I, I think, just different. And then it was Wednesday nights, and we had to go to church. But we would figure out a way to record it. So it was great. We record it and watch it later. Uh, isn't it great? What I love today is that we can pretty much watch anything on demand. So if you ever tell me you can't come to church because your TV show's on, I'll, I will help you with that. Anyway, okay. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but anyway, we used to watch Star Trek. And, and of course, if you know anything about Star Trek, there's the Vulcans, right? We know the Vulcans, this alien race uh, who had this incredible ability to use their minds in a wonderful way, including, some of you will recognize this right away, the mind meld. Now, this is old Star Trek. Yeah, this is Spock doing a mind meld right here. And, um, and so what they would do, <laughs> some of you think this is totally idiotic, and it probably is, but uh, it's very important to me. Um, but a, a Vulcan mind meld, basically what he would do is he would put his hands on someone's face like this. And if you follow uh, through Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, uh, all of the different series, you see this taking place. Uh, <laughs> the Vulcan mind meld. And what the Vulcan mind meld was, and if you look it up online, there's a whole, like, a huge article describing it, exactly what takes place. So you can understand it completely. But here it is by definition. A Vulcan mind meld, by definition, is a telepathic link between two individuals. It is, uh, uh, what it is for is that it allows an intimate exchange of thoughts, thus in essence, this is a great description, thus in essence, enabling the participants to become one mind sharing consciousness. So it is two people's minds being melded together. Sometimes I think it'd be a great idea for a church-wide mind meld, don't you think? where we could bring our minds together and connect in together to have a unifying focus, a unifying purpose together. See, the thing is, is that we've got to share the vision and we've got to share the focus of the local church. There needs to be a common direction. There needs to be a unity in our thinking. Today, we use the expression, we've all got to be on the same page, right? We can't uh, be a place where everyone's trying to accomplish their own things and trying to do their own things. There's got to be a unity of focus, a unity of mind going in the same direction, understanding. That's why it's so important for us as a church to know the vision and the direction of the church. It's important to know what uh, God has led us to do. It is important to know um, the purpose of bringing glory to God through our love and our growth and our service to him and understanding the perspective of the local church that we are to be going in the same direction. There's nothing more damaging to the cause of Christ than having a church break up in division when there's people attacking and there's a struggle for supremacy and there's a divided heart and mind. The local church will not go anywhere and in fact, it may not even stay intact if we do not have a singleness of mind. You know, it is the duty, I believe, of every church member to prayerfully work to preserve the unity of the mind of our church. And I would say this to you, if you're new to a city and you, and you haven't come for very long and, and maybe you don't know what the direction of the church is, you're not really sure what our purpose is and our goals, I'd encourage you to come and talk to me about it. You'll hear about it in a message at some point, but if you want to know, I'd be glad to share it with you and show you, hey, this is what God has called us to do. And everything that we do, every ministry, every activity, all of the things that we participate in lead towards those things. They lead in a, in a direction. Uh, otherwise, it's very easy to just go off. And I, I was a part of a church one time um, uh, when I was young and, and uh, not young, young, but younger, uh, our church uh, that, I, that I worked in before. And, and there was a lot of different differing thoughts. Sure, there was an overriding, you know, purpose statement that was so long no one could memorize it or learn anything about it. Um, but there was also within the church, there were certain groups that had their own agenda. You know what I'm talking about? 
and they had things that like this has to be done and uh and so it the problem was is while they were good things there's nothing bad about them eventually it became conflicting because it eventually there became a conflict because it did pull away from the central theme and the central focus and so as a church, we've got to have that mind and understand that when we do certain events, we do certain things, they are for a purpose, they're for a direction. It's not a, a personal thing. It's just simply, hey, we need to go in this direction. There's been times, uh, to be transparent, there's been times where, where maybe some of you have come and say, hey, pastor, uh, I have this idea, I want to do this, or I want to do this, or I want to, you know, I think this would be a great idea. And, and I've maybe said, ah, you know, maybe not right now. Maybe that's not a good thing for us to do right now. It's not because it, it's not because it wasn't my idea, so I didn't think it was a good idea. Okay, please don't ever misunderstand that about me. It does not all have to come from me. There are many things that we do as a church that come from many of you have kind of good ideas. But maybe as the, as the bishop, as the, we don't use the bishop term anymore, but it's, a expressive, uh, uh, it's an expressive um, illustration of what the pastor is, which is overseer. So the job is to kind of just have the whole, the whole thing understood. And so as the overseer and the one who has to stand before God and give an account for all of us as a church, and that's a heavy thing to carry, it just didn't maybe fit in with the vision or the purpose at this time. You know, we're a small church still. We're just a few years old. We're just getting started up. And so we can't do everything that we might want to do. Eventually, obviously, we will be able to, and there's limitations and facilities, all those kind of things. But I guess my point I'm trying to make is that um, please just understand that, uh, I, you know, that we need to hear ideas, but sometimes if it doesn't quite fit within the, the mind, the direction, the purpose maybe, it may have to be put off for a while. And so we have to be okay with that. And, and so a, a, a person with a mind of unity would step back and say, okay, I totally get it. I totally get it. I'm going to put a pin in it, as my wife likes to say, you know, <laughs> and we'll put it up there for somewhere, somewhere later on, and we'll set an alarm to remind us about it, and so, and so we got to remember um, how important that is, and so John 17, 21 talks about this. He says, that they all may be one. This is the idea, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. We've got to stand heart to heart and mind to mind, shoulder to shoulder as a church in unity moving forward. So we've got to have the unity in our spirit. We've got to have unity in our mind. And then lastly this morning, we need to have unity in our purpose. Unity in our purpose. And um, point number three in your notes there, unity in our purpose. There it is. I'm not sure what's going on with this thing today. Look again at the verse, uh, Philippians chapter one and uh, verse number 27 today. He says there at the end of the verse, he says with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel do not mistake strive for strife okay don't mistake that it is not strife it is strive now the word strive uh, means to agonize let's see if I can get this thing going. there we go I'm not sure why all of a sudden it's not working to strive means to agonize to exert yourself to strain, to push forward, to expend energy and effort to accomplish a goal and to fulfill a dream. Unfortunately, I feel the idea here of strive might be a lost characteristic in this day and age, to be honest. There's not a lot of people who have this kind of drive and this focus but what he's trying to tell us is that we as Christians are to strive. There is to be effort. We are to be exerting ourselves, not alone, but together for the gospel. Now, I love that he includes that in there, together. He does not say, and all of you uh, individuals, you should strive individually to get out there. And everybody's striving and striving on their own with their own thoughts. And their, right? You see, you see the issue here. 
That's why he says strive together as a church. We're working together. We have a common purpose and a, a common goal. This is why uh, unity is so, per, uh, is so key for me that it's all about us together so that the community would see the gospel going forward. See, unity of purpose is so key because literally, folks, souls are in the balance here. You understand that? People's lives, their eternal destiny is in the balance of our working together. You say, ah, oh, no, no, it is. It is. God, remember, the, the whole biblical principle of, of, of clean vessels and dirty vessels, right? The whole, the whole biblical principle that is so, metaphorically, it's just so perfect, describing to us how God chooses clean vessels to use and not those that are, are dirty or marred or broken. It needs to be a, a clean vessel. And guess what? As a church, that applies to us. God, I really do believe God does not use churches that are, that are just full of a hot mess. God wants us to be a, a church that is unified and working together, that is going in the same direction. We have that purpose. And because souls are in the balance. For those of you who know Jesus Christ as your Savior, aren't you thankful the gospel made a difference to you? And there are countless thousands of people in our neighborhood, in our community, who need Jesus Christ. They need him. They need to hear about him. And for us as a church, we should have that desire to exert energy, to strain, to push forward that same gospel message that made such a difference in our lives. In Jude chapter number one and verse number three, it says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me, he said, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you, here's why, that ye should earnestly contend for the faith. Those two words, earnestly contend. That's a pushing forward which was once delivered unto the saints. There comes a time for us as a church who believe and possess eternal life to be willing to stand up and to be willingly to, uh, willing to proclaim this life-changing faith. But it is so much more effective. Now, individually, we know that happens. But it is so much more effective when we do it collectively as a group, right? I, I mean, how much can I accomplish personally? How much can you accomplish personally going out on the street by yourself, even if you went out 10 hours a, a week, right? You know, and we have our outreach times. I can go out for an hour, and I do on my own. I'll go out and I'll, you know, uh, meet people and I'll put out invitations or whatever. And I'll do, you know, I don't know, whatever I'll do. I'll do 100 homes, woo, in an hour, <laughs> whatever. To, I, I, I walk kind of slow. And I talk to a lot of people. But, uh, you know, by myself. But then we'll have like a Wednesday night outreach or a Saturday outreach. And we'll have 25, 30 people show up. And how much, I mean, it just multiplies, tremendously multiplies. Because we're able to accomplish more working together. And that's what he's saying here. We've got to come together. We make a difference. Strive hard to fulfill the mission that God has given to us. This is why the local church exists. It is a place of unity. It is a place where we can come together around the word of God and strive for the faith of the gospel. As I talked about yesterday, as I, or last week as I introduced our series, if we're going to be a church that resists the downward trend that we're seeing in faith in our country, as we talked about how many churches, thousands of churches close every single year in North America and not anywhere close to the same amount are planted or starting up. The percentage of churches that are growing in a greater percentage than their community is growing is almost impossible to notice. It's impossible to even know really because the fact is it's just not really happening. And so for us, if we're to resist that trend, if we're to be the light that God wants us to be here in this community, then we've got to be a unified body of believers. But not just a unified body of believers, we have to be people individually who will fight for unity, who will fight for unity. So often uh, we may fight uh, uh, just to fight, <laughs> right? 
But when was the last time we intensely said, you know what, I want to see some unity? That doesn't mean that we're angry about it, but it means that we take steps forward, we say things, we do things that would foster unity within the local church. I'm so thankful for so many of you who invite people to your home and you do things to uh, foster relationship and, and you practice biblical hospitality. I think that's a wonderful thing. And those are efforts. That's someone being intentional about fostering unity. That's why it's so important for us when we have times like that or we have home fellowships and all these things that we're connected in. These moments that bring unity, our midweek uh, Bible study, that's a time that's a little more relaxed of unity where we spend time together, we hang out, we're, we're connected. It's all about fostering unity, being intentional to uh, develop these. People, uh, developing people, or as a church, sorry, developing to place this focus on striving together all because of the faith of the gospel that's been entrusted to us. I really believe this. And I know, I know we can't really understand uh, how it's going to be in heaven, and I, and I totally get it. So to make an assumption about what heaven's going to be like is probably not super theological, but I'm going to make an assumption, okay? Because we do know that we will have memories in heaven. We know that we will uh, look back. We know that we'll understand some things. And I believe that while it may not be a crippling regret, I, I believe that when we get to heaven, uh, all of us will look back and say, man, we should have just been more unified. We should have just been more unified. All of the things that we often make as mountains, right? I believe in heaven we'll look back and say, what was I thinking? That, that kept me out of church or that, that broke a relationship or that, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? It's gonna seem so small in the light of eternity. And I know, I don't know about you, but for me, I, I wanna, I wanna, I don't wanna have that, <laughs> you know? I don't wanna have that. I wanna fight for unity. I wanna fight for relationships. I want, to, I want to fight to see this light continue to grow and to continue to, to develop and get bigger and bigger as we add more people. But I tell you what, as we add more people and as we grow, guess what? We got to put more effort into unity. We got to put more effort into striving together, including one another, including new, uh, new people who come, including those uh, uh, who, who are looking for a place to belong and working and doing whatever we can to build that unity. Guess what? We, we don't always succeed at it. I know we don't, and I know we won't, okay? To the best of our ability, we've been trying, but I recognize that there's always room for improvement, isn't there? There's always room for improvement. And as a church, having that heart of unity is so key, so key to us being the church that God wants us to be. The title of the series is This Is Us. This is who we are. And as a church, we are a church that functions, that everyone gets involved, as we saw last week. Everyone is participating. Everyone's doing something. But as well, we're going to be a church that emphasizes unity. Unity within the local church is so key. It's a biblical principle that God has given to us. And I believe it is so important for us as we exist here in East Vancouver. Remember, it's all about God's glory, not our own. Remember? That's what it's all about. We don't have unity so that there's no problems. Like, oh, pastor, are there a bunch of problems? I don't, I don't think so. So if there are, come and let me know and let's work out some unity, okay? Uh, this, is not a, this is not a reactionary message. But I really believe we should be working towards that. Always be focusing on unity. That's the key here. But it's all about the glory of God. It's all about pointing others to him. The verse that I started with in, uh, in John, chapter number 13 and verse number 35. I want you to see this here again. And uh, there it is. <laughs> By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one to another. It's by this. By this thing, this love. The way that we treat one another. You know, to our country, 
the poppy stands for something, doesn't it? It stands uh, to, and, and it reveals our unity as a country in remembering those who gave their lives. As a church, our love for one another is to be the badge, is to be the indicator of our unity as a church family, that we're together, that we love one another, that we're willing to work through whatever it may be to preserve the unity so that we can further the gospel message in a greater way. We hope today's message was a help to your relationship with God. To stay connected with us, you can like us on Facebook or give us a follow on Instagram at Van City Baptist. Our prayer is that God will continue to do a unique work as you pursue His will for your life.